Welcome to Changing Reels, a bi-weekly podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity in cinema one reel at a time. We do so by revisiting overlooked and underappreciated films. My name is Courtney Small. And I'm Andrew Hathaway. If you like what you hear, then we highly recommend that you go to iTunes and rate our show, because every rating helps. And I'm also going to put a challenge out to the American listeners, because I noticed that the Canadian ones, we've got some ratings up already, and I want to, I'd like to see some more on the American iTunes side. No pressure. It helps us to get our conversation about diversity to a wider audience. Uh, more importantly, if you want to support our show directly, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month by going to Andrew's Patreon page over at his website, can'tstopthemovies.com. For a little as a dollar a month, it helps to go towards the production work that he does on this show. also helps to put food on the table for his cats, his wife, and, <laughs> you know, if a little left over, we'll help him with whatever he's got going on. What, what do you have going on this week, Andrew? This week, I am going to, of course, be watching Black Panther. We've got a special episode we're recording next week for that. On my Patreon, I've been using it as a place to do my experimental film thoughts. Uh, so I've been going through a Jean-Pain Levé collection. There's, of course, also the bonus Can't Stop the Podcast. I'm going to be finishing up 13 Reasons Why, hopefully very soon, because while it's been an interesting experience, I want to move on to other stuff. I guess that is a taste of what I've actually got going on, as opposed to other Patreons for some unhinged writers here in america i actually remember to put stuff up for my patrons so please give me a look-see providing great content for them so that's always good and again a dollar a month that's pretty cheap you can also support us uh, by visiting modernsuperior.com and they are the network that hosts our show now normally we like to discuss two short films to start off every episode but we're going to kind of keep things a little condensed this week and we're only going to talk about one short film because since it's black history month this entire episode is going to be black history related the short film we're going to talk about is sylvia hamilton's 1992 film speak it from the heart of black nova scotia now this is a film that came to my attention via another film that sylvia hamilton had directed uh, a few months back tiff had this Black Star series, where they were highlighting 100 years of black cinema, but they also had a Canadian component to it as well. One of the events that they had was a screening where they had three short films, all directed by black female directors, and Sylvia Hamilton's was like the, I guess, the centerpiece short. And so she had a short called Black Mother, Black Daughter. It was really captivating short, and it talked about the black female experience in Nova Scotia and dealing with racism in history. Through that, I decided to kind of delve into more of her work, see if I could seek out more, and I came across this other one called Speak It. This short film essentially talks about representation within the education system and how these group of students in Nova Scotia who go to a predominantly white school essentially start their own culture awareness youth group with the sole purpose of trying to enrich the learning environment by including more black history and especially black history that's prevalent to Nova Scotia. So the short kind of follows them as they're creating this club, but also going to different speaking conferences and one student in particular preparing to give a, a presentation on black history. And just that whole idea of incorporating representation into regular learning. So it's not like they're trying to eliminate the history that's being taught right now. They just want to add a little extra flavor to it so that it kind of reflects the body of the school. Andrew, I know you had a chance to watch this film. What did you think of it? I thought this was excellent. 
it kind of ties in with what we're going to be talking about a little later, Antoine Fisher, because Antoine Fisher has some at times stage play direction that I do think works to its benefit. Here we do get a, a few different stage presentations as these kids try and figure out how to make their voices heard in the school. I'm glad that you pointed out that it is Sylvia that directed this because that speaks to her talent of represent or reflect the kids' viewpoints, especially in the the main narration from one of the boys that she focuses on the most. There were some times that the editing with him chiming in, especially when he was talking about his nervousness and awkwardness speaking in front of so many people that I thought it was by just this, <laughs> this amazingly talented kid. But that, again, that speaks to how Sylvia is able to adequately represent what they're going through. And there's a lot of fascinating conflicts within this short 25 minutes that we spend at this school. There is some radical voices. Like, I I love that the kids are being taken to go see Spike Lee's Jungle Fever. That is, like, freaking unheard of if we were to suggest that here in the States. The most I ever saw was Santa Claus when I was, like, eight. See, we went to see The Last of the Mohicans. And that was, I guess, like the edges in terms of uh, cinema that we got to see for uh, a field trip. So I was like, wow, they went to see Jungle Fever. That's fantastic. I'm still even envious kind of of that, like getting able to being able to do that much. Um, But even though the viewpoint is predominantly the kids, I really liked how she managed to incorporate like different facets of the discussion of representation and how it matters or if it matters, which is another question that especially a lot of our cultural commentators here are hanging on these days. And obviously it's a a very hot button topic with Black Panther coming out. I guess before I jump back into the different politics clashing, yeah, it was pretty damn good. When you go to watch this film, it is made in the 90s, and for me, it took me back to my youth. Like, I was pretty much, you know, maybe in high school by then, or if not junior high. So a lot of it spoke to me how I was back then, and the fashion, which I thought was cool back then. I'm looking now, I'm like, wow, the 90s. <laughs> the 90s. But that's a side point. But it, what, one of the things that I found fascinating about this film is that when they're talking about identity and representation, and you've got a lot of the stuff that's going on in Halifax at the time, there, there was a race riot, you know, around the particular bar district there's a lot of racism going on in the school and you have the students saying that you know the teachers are saying well there's no racism in this school like what are you what are you talking about yet you see the markings on the wall and even something as little as having the cosby show on television at that time they're like you know hey things are getting better and i was thinking back to that going yeah i remember when you know cosby show was on before what happened to bill in later years that was kind of like hey things are are going great but then you realize that was kind of like a flash in the pan like you know eventually we had like living color and a few other things but even now we're still talking about getting a representation on television and in the movies and it's like we haven't really come that far from 1992 it's hard for me to disagree on a lot of that I'm a frequent flyer of Angelica Jade Bastian's work. She's a phenomenal critic. I started appreciating her work after seeing this Keanu Reeves piece that she did. And if there's ever some way that I can sink Bill and Ted into our show, I will try. 
but uh, that's definitely a representation stretch. She has been talking a lot this week about how there is like this liberal knee-jerk reaction to representation about treating it like as one of the only things that matters. And I have a hard time disagreeing with that. There's one shot that really did a great job of conveying in just one moment the messy topic of representation when it focuses on this kid's shirt. And it's a mix of Bart Simpson and Mars Blackman, who was the character that Spike Lee played in She's Gotta Have It and was also in a lot of Nike commercials with Michael Jordan. You know, a great character, not without his problems. I guess the same thing could be said of Bart. All it is is two corporate symbols getting smashed together. Is that really the best way forward and so on? And it surprised me that this film, even with that one shot, incorporating it with eventually like the discussions with the police officer and the, the teachers and so on, that we can actually see these forces, these cultural forces in action, working in concert, but also kind of working against this Mars Blackman T-shirt can only really exist because it's fused with even though the skin color is yellow, actually yellow, not racist, yellow face, yellow of Bart Simpson. We're going to be having a lot of conversations about what constitutes good diversity in the coming weeks, I imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it, one thing I want to touch on that you raise is I was very happy that even though this film is told essentially from the student's perspective, that Hamilton included adults who were openly trying to make a difference. And in some cases, like the jungle fever moment, you know, one of the adults gets into a heated debate with the students saying, you know, are you, when it comes to interracial relationships, I love that. Are, you, yeah. are you willing to deal with everything that's going to come? And, you know, her as an adult is like, I'm not willing to deal with that. You know, I'm not willing to put up with all the hate, negativity, harassment that you're going to get. And, you know, and there's a, a very interesting back and forth and that evolves into like history and voting rights and and that's great, but I also like that you had one speaker that they brought in who is a, a teacher, but he teaches at another school because they don't have a black member of the teaching staff that could come and just talk to them about different experiences. So he can speak to them as young adults in a way that's not insulting, but also pinpoint what they're trying to achieve with their group, right? And it was good that you had that. The police officer is another great example. You had members of the community in various facets all coming in at various points and and helping the kids and the drama teacher like you know they're they're trying to give the kids as many avenues as possible to express themselves but also learn and empower themselves and thought that was great because it, without them the kids which is entertaining enough but you kind of need for any society to, to evolve you need the whole trickle-down effect you need the adults buying in the kids buying in and you know society moving forward that way that was a great aspect to this that it didn't like talk down to the kids you know neither sylvia in her direction or that woman in the audience that the kid gets into an argument with that argument was so freaking interesting because the kid seemed to be coming at it from more of an intersectional angle that it wasn't just black people marching you know white people were marching too but he doesn't quite have the relationship experience the older woman has that yes this is something that you are going to have to deal with if you enter this kind of relationship last time when we were talking about straight out of compton that you know there are aspects of that that are still applicable and unfortunately 
like with the huge hullabaloo over the English royalty and finally having, you know, a darker skinned woman in there, those realities, they're still present. There's still going to be that element of bias here. Since we're kind of talking around the police officer, I'm curious about your thoughts on him, because there is a trend in a lot of discussions about representation to stick with what's respectable. I mean, that goes back to Langston Hughes and W.E.B. Du Bois having their different literary conversations with their readers. And I got what the police officer was going for. But at the end of the day, he's still part of the system of power that is basically supposed to put black people in jail no matter what they do. And as he was talking, I couldn't help but thinking about the L.A. Rampart scandal here and just the rampant corruption within police, black and white officers alike. His presence was interesting because he was definitely a centering, like, calm down, we're going to be reasonable kind of figure compared to the teachers who were a much more volatile and interactive with the kids than the officer who was just like, this is how you need to do it. I liked his inclusion, and I like what he had to say because you kind of need that counterbalance. And I think especially establishing like the rights and the rampant racism that's going on in the community, it's good to also have representation. And based on the brief clip that we get from him, I would say he's more on the positive end of the spectrum. Yes, he works for the system, but I don't know. I got the sense that he was generally trying to say there's ways that you can fight the system without endangering yourself or endangering the cause and that's how i think i i took it it's tough to watch that scene and not think about all the other stuff that's gone on since then and probably still yeah still goes on and there's a great documentary that i saw last year called the force which i believe is set either in oakland or baltimore i think it might be the oakland pd and it's all about the police departments trying to clean up their ways and change the perception of the community. So they allow this documentary film crew to follow the day-to-day staffs, the officers, the police chief, but also the recruits as they're in police academy. So you see those three stories intersecting and in many ways opening themselves up and trying to clean things up <laughs> exposes how deep the corruption is. Because as the film goes on, things start to unfold and you're like, oh, this is far worse than you guys even realize what it was. So it's tough to shake that. And I and me as a parent, I think that's something I struggle with almost on a daily basis because there's times where my son will see a police officer and, you know, being six-year-old, he's like, hey, cop. To him, cop is law and order. Like, you know, they're here to put away the bad people. I don't want to raise him tainted, but then at the same time, I know there's going to be a point where we're going to have to have some discussions and say, portion of those cops are good, but you might encounter some who are bad, and here's the history of what a lot of those bad people do. So I don't know. It's a tough thing to tackle, and I think his inclusion was necessary in this, and I think it was done well. Well, I really like how you put it, that he was trying to stay within the bounds of his job and his authority, but saying a community uplift aspect. Granted, he was still basically telling the kids, you know, these are going to be the consequences. But I mean, that's also true. Those are going to be the consequences. Overall, I was just really impressed that in this short span of time, we got a bevy of divergent viewpoints on what it means to uplift people via drama, what it means to try and fight for a cause but stay within the law. For like the 25 minutes or so that this is on, 
And as my notepad will attest, there's so much information in those viewpoints. It's just so densely packed that by the time it's over with, first of all, I was kind of like, whoa, that was surprisingly quick. And second of all, I looked back at my notes and I was like, wow, that was dense. I was the same way. I thought, all right, 28 minutes, 25 minutes, it's a lot longer than some of the other ones that we've covered. But by the time it was done, I was like, that felt kind of short. <laughs> I didn't feel like I was, because again, you're, you're so involved in the film and the various kids that you're interacting with and stuff. So I don't know, I thought it was a really well done short film that still is very relevant. Get past the 90s fashion aside, and it's, <laughs> it's still talking to a lot of stuff that we can all identify with. I probably wouldn't wear a Bart Blackman t-shirt, but otherwise, yes, the identification is very strong and very present. If that's your thing, you know, there's some people that <laughs> are into that, so we'll just leave it at that. But you know what? We're going to take a quick break to change some reels, and then we'll come back with our feature film of the day. Our feature film today is the 2002 drama Antoine Fisher. Directed by Denzel Washington, who also co-stars in the film, and starring Derek Luke, the film tells the story of a young naval officer who, through the help of his determined psychiatrist, comes to terms with his painful past. Andrew, before you are shipped off on your next naval mission, tell the listeners why you decided to pick this film. Antoine Fisher is super personal for me. In line with our mission statement, this is definitely an overlooked and underappreciated film. It made a decent amount of money, probably because Denzel Washington starred and directed in it. But for the most part, it seems like it's gotten lost in the shuffle because it wasn't part of that late 90s, mid 90s heyday that you touched on of a lot of black film and black culture actually being on the mainstream. In fact, Antoine Fisher was released when that was very much on the wane. And uh, we had stuff like Chris Rock's head of state where we would just be joking about the idea of a black man as president of the United States. So Antoine Fisher is something of a last gasp of that 90s era before we got really xenophobic and really homogenized in our entertainment. Uh, overall, like when I say this is personal, I mean, I'm going to do my damnedest not to get it sad as we talk about it granted i don't have all the exact same experiences antoine does as i am a white boy uh, but the therapy angle and the abuse angle those are two things i have more personal experience with than i really would like and when i'm watching this what grabs me each time is completely different for the longest time, it was Derek Luke's confrontation with Viola Davis at the end and, and how tender and loving it is, even though there's like this hostility in the room. And then for the longest time after that, uh, it was Derek Luke going back to confront his abusers. And then <laughs> this last time, and again, because I've actually watched it twice because I lost all my notes the first time. It's the very end and just those two perfect lines from Antoine's grandmother at the head of the house. So it's a shame that Denzel Washington's films haven't reached the same kind of like comfortable success rate that Clint Eastwood's have. 
uh, I can pretty safely say that Clint Eastwood's films, especially as of late, have had a much more negative affect on our cultural conversation than Denzel Washington's. And I wish that wasn't the case. So there are definite flaws with Antoine Fisher. It is not a perfect movie. But in terms of its presentation of therapy as a series of steps and its really unconventional structure um, with its climax and then the emotional beats afterwards just make this film breathe a lot more than something like, say, Prince of Tides or any other kind of psychodrama. In your description of why you picked it, I was thinking to some of the reasons why I have issues with it, but then I have to, I now I'm rethinking its approach to therapy um, and how that impacts my my views. I I don't have a personal attachment to it. So for me, it's one of those films where I think, you know, we're, we're almost kind of in whippet territory. Where I don't, I, I'm, I don't mind it. Like I'm fine with it. Like you know, watching it this time or second time around, I got a little more out of it. But I, I, I don't love it. But then at the same time, I'm not against it either. So it's that weird middle ground, which for me is never a good thing because trying to explain that is uh, always difficult. I think part of the reason why it's in that middle ground for me is its unconventional structure. Because I, I kept thinking this past week. What is it about this film that doesn't push it forward for me? And I and I think one of the issues I have is that the I felt the supporting characters are are not given enough to do, or at least not um, developed enough, because this film is so much about his past, and yet we see his past in short little snippets, but. The snippets that we see, I think, are so so to the point that we don't... Like, you know, the stepmother, I think it was Miss Tate. She's evil, you know? It's like, she's got a, a pastor husband, but when he's not around, she's just pure evil. And it's like, okay, that, but give me a little more nuance. And then, like, his relationship with Denzel, which is such a crucial aspect to it, I felt that Denzel's character was, was kind of underwritten. Um, in terms of like, you know, Denzel's, his character's got all this other relationship, marriage stuff going on, but we never quite know what it is until near the end, and then there's a few lines. Having said that, though, Derek Luke does a fantastic job in it, and kept me really riveted into this story. Like, whenever they went back to the past, I was like, okay, give me a little bit more, and then seeing his, his reaction to some of those events. I think if maybe if the structure of it was different, if some of the chess pieces were rearranged in a different order, I think it would have sent it over for me because there's a lot that I like. Um, you talked about the the grandma stuff at the end. Heck, just the, the opening shot and how he how Denzel concludes the film with a, a very similar shot, um, it, it, that hit me emotionally. I didn't expect it to. Uh, so again, it's one of those films where I'm... I'm like down the middle on, and uh, it's going to be very interesting delving into this. I mean, the hesitation that you've got there, it's completely understandable. I like that Denzel just gets overall, this is just a weirdly structured film because he jumps straight to the point, but at the same time, he also doesn't. 
because one of the very first scenes after we get that flashback with Antoine, uh, which, by the way, the reason that this film is getting more resonance with me is partly to do with the costuming of the folks in Antoine's dream in the background. But we'll circle back to that. So he's cutting straight to the chase when it comes to the stuff with Antoine and especially that sickening thunk on the soundtrack when Antoine just breaks against the white crew member. But then you've got the stuff with Dr. Davenport and his wife. There's this underlying tension there that is fascinating to watch at the same time. It again, it does not play out like you would expect. First of all, in these kinds of films, it's usually the doting wife that's too worried about her husband's job or that kind of thing. And here she is painfully aware of their situation. And that cuts to some devastating lines, like when Antoine goes on his first date and he's so excited, goes to see Dr. Davenport. Dr. Davenport's talking to his wife because she's wondering who came to the door. And he says, he was so excited, couldn't wait to tell me about it. And then she just says, don't cure him. And that cuts to so many problems in their relationship that we don't need scenes upon scenes of elaboration or them talking about. I can completely understand why it doesn't work for you. I freaking love it because it gives us kind of a life raft away from the constant trauma of Antoine's childhood and his ongoing therapy and also like a lot of illumination onto Antoine just as a person because he is charming. He is a good person. And, and that's something that this movie it rings the hell of tears out of. So it being sort of a life raft approach, like giving us a breather away from this pain, it's really important to me that it cuts the crap and it just gets to its point. Even if like where we want the standard climaxes or the standard confrontations, where we would want those to take place. Because Fisher wrote the screenplay, I have to believe that what he's putting into the film is accurate. You know, I'm sure there might be one or two things that were stylized or puffed up for the film, but I had watched Lee Daniels' The Butler for the first time, like pretty much right after seeing this film. And in that film, there's a lot of moments that ring hollow. And when you read up about the, the character it was inspired by after, you realize that Daniels took the essential story, but created whole other characters, whole other narratives just to try to enhance the drama. And it doesn't work because I'm like, well, why tell this Butler's story if the story itself is not interesting enough to carry the film and that you have to add other things? And here, I think Fisher's story is compelling and fascinating. I think some of the issues I had is because I wanted to know a little more about the past because. We see early on that Fisher has anger management problems as an adult. They kind of hit that note several times, you know, when they're out at the club, he gets into another fight and what have you. And the moment of aggression usually harkens back, a jumping point to harken back to the past. I just wish that we had a little more time in the past. Like once we get there, it is, as you said, very straight to the point. The scene where I think it's he talks about Nadine 
abusing him. And you get that great shot from the outside where Denzel just kind of lingers on the outside of the house and then the camera slowly moves to the window in the basement. But never zooms in, just enough distance, but you can hear some of the sounds and get the chilling tension. And then it's like, done. Then it's back to him as an adult and going through the same motions again. It's like, but I wanted to know a little bit more about this Nadine character. Like, he just kind of threw her in. This moment just happens, it's very blunt, and then we move on. And I, I kind of wish that there was a little more breathing when we were in the past. This is where, I guess, different philosophies of criticism may collide. Uh, I'm of the opinion that a film has to work on its own. And I know it is kind of like a, a halfway, I'm with it with you. But I read Finding Fish after I'd seen Antoine Fisher, and I can assure you that what is presented on the screen here is actually lessened than what the real Antoine Fisher went through. Yeah, I made I the imagine. mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, I made the mistake of trying to read Finding Fish at work, and man, I was I was just a bubbly mess, like by page twenty. So that was one of the worst ideas I'd <laughs> I'd ever had for work time recreation reading. The thing is, though, I still completely agree with you. Mother Tate, she has enough of a presence and looms enough that we get a, a complete sense of the role that she played in Antoine's life. Nadine, not so much. She is just there for the one scene before Antoine goes back as an adult to confront the Tates. I like that the, the Denzel drama is present and that it's refreshingly straightforward. At the same time, it feels like some of that could have been sheared so that we get a better idea of the role that Nadine played in Antoine's life. Because she is arguably the biggest source of his trauma. She's the one who sexually abused him. And the physical abuse, Antoine clearly has found a way to cope with it that's not healthy he gets into fights at the drop of a hat but it's the sexual abuse and i love luke's performance when he's trying to talk around his sexual experiences because he's always honest but he's not saying everything like like uh when he's rattling off what happened to a lot of the people in the orphanage that he was in and he tells Dr. Davenport about his one friend who was raped by a man. Dr. Davenport says, well, that happened to you. And Antoine says immediately, no, not at all, because it wasn't with a man. He was being 100 percent truthful, but leaving out specifics. So Nadine, when she does finally show up, it feels like she has huge shoes to fill. And the actress who plays Nadine, Yolanda Ross, she is capable, but we don't get enough of her to really cement how badly she hurt Antoine. Yeah, and that's one thing I will say for this film. The performances are strong all around. The woman that played Miss Tate was phenomenal. <clears throat> Nadine and her brief scenes were good. Joel Bryant, as the love interest, was good. Again, I wish her role was a little fleshed out a bit more, but the performances are great, and I think it helps that Luke is such a compelling actor in this film. And you were talking about why Denzel hasn't reached the Eastwood level of appreciation as a filmmaker, and I think partly it's just there's not enough of a body of work. I think this film is better directed than Fences, but the performances in Fences is just phenomenal. 
you're starting to see a certain pattern with Denzel and his direction. And there is, a, I find, a very theatrical element to some of his staging. I think this was his first film, if I'm not mistaken. I felt that he was really going for that kind of sweeping biopic. Like how we were talking with Straight Out of Compton, how there's like a certain criteria that for biopics Academy Award loves to honor and people revere <laughs> yes. and I felt that he was going for it and, and showing that and I mean it's I guess it's pretty ballsy for your first film to just come out and say look I can do that as well and I'm going to put my own little spin on it I'm very interested to see more of his filmmaking but I'd almost want to see him try and stretch out a bit more as a as a director because he he did this he he did fences was it did he do the great debaters as well yes and they were all that kind of well, i guess fences you, you have a, a a darker lead but the first two are definitely like the inspiring kind of tale and i would love to see him branch out a bit more because with eastwood you know eastwood had your million dollar babies but then he also did war films and messes like gran torino and <laughs> what not but like he, he's at least kind of diversified and i think if denzel starts to spread genres a little more i think he will will start to get more recognition because i think even though he's a great actor there was at least a period where he was starting to kind of go the Liam neeson route of having to play that kind of stoic tough guy and after a while you know seeing denzel be that good stoic tough guy it's a little much so i think Hopefully, he's starting to get to that phase where he, he'll branch out into directing a little more. I'll agree with part of what you just said in that I would like to see Denzel get like his The Gray moment, something that maybe takes his personality and pushes it to a really dense or dark or interesting place, just something that gives that standard Denzel character. Because, yeah, he's a lot more engaging than, say, Chadwick Boseman, who ends up being the best part of the movies that he's in because the movies themselves are so bland, but at least he's pretty good. Note, Black Panther is not included in that, as I haven't seen it yet. But where I'll really disagree is where this feels like that kind of sweeping biopic movie. And it's, it's oddly enough because of something that you already said that there is a very theatrical staging to Antoine Fisher. There's that one part when Antoine is in the holding cell, he is confessing what happened with Nadine when he was abused. It is literally like you could see the stage directions of dim lights at this moment. And it's one of those moments where kind of more theatrical stage-based direction can actually work for cinema uh, because Antoine has his face almost pressed up entirely against the bars and then the lights slowly dim in the background uh, to cover up Dr. Davenport. A lot of the direction here, it is that simple but that effective. There is that other great shot, very patient. It's one of those things that works more on screen than it would on stage when Antoine is finally breaking down and the camera slowly pans from Dr. Davenport over to Antoine. Like, even though they're at a distance, they're finally sharing the same space so that he can talk to him. And none of it has that grandiose gesture. Like, uh, when I think of big biopic feels, obviously... There is our perennial whipping boy, the theory of everything. But on the more positive side, there's also something like Malcolm X, where you have your your big set pieces and your grand sense of history. 
Whereas this, it never really loses its chamber drama feel because it's almost all indoors. When it is outdoors, it's either in really hostile territory or it's stormy, like when Antoine finally goes to confront the Tates and meet his mother. So I do not get like big sweeping feel from this. It is a very intimate approach to telling Antoine's story. I'll agree that it's a very intimate, unique story. But I think for me, in terms of the sweeping feel, is it's it's very much about him going back and not just going back to the Tates to confront them. But the second half of this film is very much the journey to reconnecting with the family and standing in line at the DMV and what have you. And those are a lot of, to me, kind of like hallmark notes that you would get in those type of films. I think the order of the film might somewhat mask the sweeping feel, but I don't know. I just got from like the opening moments of the, you know, the great shot of him, I guess when he's having the dream of him in the field to this whole buildup. And then the second half of him going on this journey and, it felt very traditional in its setting, but the, the the only problem is that it comes towards the end of the film, whereas we'd expect it to come near the beginning in most cases. And, you know, that come at the beginning and then the abuse either come in the middle or be sprinkled throughout. All right. Well, I think we'll have to to agree to disagree, disagree. on that That's one. That's all right. That's all right. Because <laughs> for the way it feels to me, it, it feels much more Bergman-esque, like that intensely personal than any kind of grand scope. But Hell, you could make the argument that something like Scenes from a Marriage is definitely grand in scope, at least as far as its timeline is concerned. I guess to move on to something else and why Antoine Fisher, oddly enough, it was not something that occurred to me when I selected it for Black History Month. But watching it twice in the last week, there is a through line that sucker punched the hell out of me when we got to those last two lines from Annette, the grandmother at the head of the table. And it's something that stuck out for me the first few times I watched it. But now that I've got this bit of knowledge and the way that Denzel presents the lost family members, I cannot think of this film the same way. So at the beginning when Antoine is having that dream and he's seeing all of his old family members dressed in what looks to be about 250 years worth of period clothing. There's some more modern looking people, uh, some more people that look like they may have been house slaves or field slaves, uh, folks that may have been educated and or free in the north. Like There's this huge swath of history that's just kind of looked at but not really discussed directly. And it's taken until this viewing because there is the book that Dr. Davenport gives Antoine, the slave community, he says is going to help Antoine figure out what happened with the Tates. And again, we don't get this, your obvious exposition of, oh, this is because of this. You know, there's a very brief explanation from Dr. Davenport, and then Antoine is engrossed in it. So then we come to the very end when you get that so warm moment of all of Antoine's family members basically fighting to love him. They're coming up in these clumps, and everyone just wants to touch him and hug him. The grandmother, she just commands the attention with two quick knocks on the table and then reaching out her hands. 
and it didn't hit me until watching it this time about how badly families are still broken up because of American slavery. I think that Denzel does an excellent job creating that sense of lost family throughout the generations without touching on it in like this uh, Ken Burns Civil War-esque-ness where we get, you know, a family tree or a narration or somewhat. It's just this subtle through line. And I think it's important that Antoine, even though it was his real life, you know, he was actually in the military, but that it is in the military because the government services completely failed him. They still take advantage of him. They haven't tried to help him from the beginning. That is very resonant for an American slave narrative. So we've got those little bits of Dr. Davenport's book and Antoine just trying to find his family. And then when we see all this history rush up in the flesh, not just a dream anymore, it just freaking overwhelmed me this time around. Like I was always in tears because of the love and the warmth of the moment. But now knowing a lot more about uh, America's history with slavery and capitalism, I was thinking um, more pointedly, if any listeners are looking for a book recommendation of uh, slavery by another name, because there is the part with Mrs. Tate when she goes to Antoine and he's going to go to the movies. She says, you know, where'd you get that money? And that is almost to a T an example from slavery by another name of what police officers would do with free black men just because they had money that they were arrestable at that point. So seeing that trauma being repeated through Mrs. Tate, having those direct historical examples and the quiet buildup of rediscovering your family after it's been shattered by the white American government, that ending just takes so many more levels now than just the crux of Antoine's emotional journey. This is one of the things that I did like about that film. Like that ending did kind of it did choke me up when I when I saw it, and partly because and I, I had had in my notes, you know, that moment when they flash back to when he's age fourteen, and just before that, when Denzel is talking about the slave mentality and the generations of abuse, so that even when you see Miss Tate years later, and it really sinks in how it has just destroyed her family, with her not even realizing it, and to see the mass of people who've you know come out of the woodworks, as you said, uh, and I, I, I want to um, quote you, because I thought it was a, a fantastic phrase, fighting to love him. As they're all reaching out, like that's that's a wonderful phrase because that moment, especially when you think back to the beginning and the dream sequence, and the dream sequence is is you know the ancestrals, the some of those that you, you know were were slaves at, at some point in time, and then to see it now, and you're still surrounded by those tables, and it's still love, and as you said with the grandmother, you think back to everyone in that household is full of love, but yet they all have at some point down the line, you know, have been impacted by by slavery and oppression, and, but yet they are finding their own strength and rising above it, whereas you have the Tate who have, like, completely been eroded by it. And I think that's what, one of the things I, I, I did enjoy about this film. And as you, as you said, with a, a few simple lines, because that, that scene and when he's handing him the book, it's very brief, but it's so powerful. And, again, that's one of the reasons why I can't, like, completely 
go against this film because there's a lot of it that really stuck with me and that was one of those one of those things i think even now you talk about him being in the military but i would go further that that's that slave mentality and just i think it's we still have it very prevalent in our society not even within the black community but think of like people like zimmerman you know the whole trayvon thing lee he naturally assumed that a young black person in his area is up to no good right just like you said just like the cops with what they used to do with the free slaves like there is nothing in his mind that would tell him that this is just an innocent kid walking around. There's like, there's no way he can be because of his skin color. He is definitely a troublemaker. I like to believe that we will get to a point where that type of mentality will be erased, but it's so ingrained and it has damaged so many generations that I, I kind of lose hope in, in that regard. I can only hope and pray that we have more people like the family at the end that find a way to rise above it. While this is not an easy film to rewatch, it is so overpowering in its emotional affect, and the catharsis is real, but it it's it weighs heavy by the time you get to the end. So if you feel up to it, I would say that give this another shot with the framework of what I talked about, about how Antoine Fisher is the story of lost American slave families finally finding each other again. Because I, I can't, I can't look at the movie any other way now. It is so intertwined with everything. And like I said, I've got my personal experiences with this, but just the rich history that this touches on without directly touching on it and the way it just subconsciously hits you in those final moments that I, again, I totally understand if you might not be able to, but that would be my, my changing reels challenge, I guess, to try and make myself not feel as heavy at this particular point to, to give it a shot in that way. Because this is an excellent movie. I mean, it, it is an excellent movie. I, I hear the issues on some of the underwritten kind of past bits, especially with Nadine. But like the modern relationships are so mature and well thought out, and they have such a strong sense of history that just reverberates through every frame. And it just it, it almost overwhelms me on rewatch. But it is extremely rewarding, even if we got listeners out there who maybe were hesitant about this the first time, because it got some very mixed reviews from some folks. So I would challenge everyone, uh, yourself included, Courtney, to give this another shot with that in mind. You know, I I definitely will uh, revisit this film after this discussion. And you know what? Let's end it there. What you said just now is is great and let's the let the viewers or sorry the listeners weigh in and we'd love to hear you hear your thoughts on this one occasionally we have films that we agree on one or two that we disagree but whenever we get into this kind of gray area especially on my part i always love to hear uh listener feedback and hear other people's perspectives as well so andrew where can people get in touch with you well, you can reach me on Twitter at Can't Stop Drew. Uh, I also monitor the Gmail account, which is changing.reels.ac at gmail.com. And once again, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating to my Patreon. I'll be putting up 
tons more writing on experimental filmmakers, and I'll also be reaching out to see what my next long-term podcast projects would be as soon as I finish up 13 Reasons Why. So the future is open, and you can help me build it. Listeners, you can reach me on Twitter at SmallMind, and I also monitor the Twitter account for Changing Reels, and that's at ChangingReelsAC. Thank you again for listening. Again, feel free to rate us on iTunes because we love your feedback. And hey, just spread the word about our show. Even if you don't have an iTunes account, you listen on like SoundCloud, Stitcher, Last.fm, wherever you listen to your podcast, let a friend know and spread the word. And remember, you can help change the conversation on diversity one reel at a time. This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.